So it's a, a real pleasure to uh, share the evening and uh, let you meet a, an old friend, uh, a, a, a long friendship, let's put it like that. Um, Nancy Bardicke, uh is a, a nurse midwife who's been practicing for many years and uh, um, somebody I've always enjoyed hanging out with, uh, which is even better than other stuff on a resume, uh, <laughs> which is a good resume. Uh, as I said, she is one of the, the leading uh, voices in consciousness and uh, around birthing and has been um, guiding uh, pregnant women and families for many, many years, um, just putting the, the Dharma into the most practical um, way for the most mysterious event uh, in our lives, the coming into this world. And she's written a, a lovely book called Mindful Birthing, Training the Mind, Body, and Heart for Childbirth and Beyond, forward by John Kabat-Zinn, uh, Mindful Birthing. So please welcome uh, Nancy Bordicke. Well, thank you, James. Um, and thank you for the very kind introduction. It's really special for me to um, be here as I was reflecting this morning and making my few notes um, uh, about uh, being invited here. I want you to know that um, I took my very first meditation class with James uh, probably thir- uh, over 30 years ago now. So in many ways, the causes and conditions of, of the book happening uh, he's uh, an essential element. Um, it was in the basement of Harwood House before there was uh, Spirit Rock. Um, and we were kids. <laughs> we were really kids. Um, and um, so it was in the early, very early 80s. Um, and I remember also sitting with Jack uh, when he was in a teaching out of the church in Fairfax. Um, and uh, I remember actually going to the groundbreaking of Spirit Rock. So I, as James said, have been a Dharma practitioner for a really long time. I actually have been a midwife even longer. Uh, I like to say that I started paying attention to the birth process when I was sitting in a childbirth education class here in the Berkeley Hills uh, when I was pregnant with my first son, and he will be 45 years old on Christmas Eve. (laughs) I had a baby on Christmas Eve. I was in good company, right? (laughs) Um, And uh, in those days, there there weren't things like childbirth education classes, Teddy, my son, was born at Alta Bates Hospital. Uh, so I was just saying to someone, um, I, uh, I was raised in Los Angeles, but I grew up in Berkeley. <laughs> so um, 
the calling really to be a midwife really began that 45 years ago with the birth of my son and and as I said predated my um, encounter with the Dharma through James and those who I'm sure you all are familiar with Um, and uh, uh, but being a a midwife and uh, you know the the definition of midwife is in German is with woman, and that's presence, and that's basically the job is to be present for this profound process, and um, so uh, it's an extraordinary uh, work to be able to be present and serve, really, in that way, serving families as they go through this life transition. Can I just ask, how many of you, our parents, have gone through or witnessed a birth process? Uh, I mean, we've all gone through one, our own, right? (laughs) And I tell everyone, please, call your mother and say thank you on your birthday. (laughs) Because that's how you got here. Um, whatever else you, she did, <laughs> she did that for you, and you're here because of that. Um, so, uh, so um, you know, when I uh, first began my practice of midwifery, there wasn't even midwifery uh, in California. It wasn't even legal yet. But there, we were doing things that uh, were uh, breaking rules and women were starting to have their babies at home because what was going on in the hospital was not a happy situation. And there weren't folks to help them. And so with the training of um, wonderful and compassionate doctors, they trained those of us who started attending women at home and I was one of those. And so I um, had the good fortune to really witness this process um, through really beginner's mind um, without being clouded by all sorts of education of a certain type. Um, uh, And uh, saw and witnessed... um, just how profound and the body and the mind were in this time. And there would be things that would happen during the birth process that we would sit around as midwives and talk about them, but we couldn't explain them. And it would be something to do with, for example, if I was at a birth and a woman wasn't progressing or something, I'd send some people out of the room. And then all of a sudden, the process would change. Or somebody would come to me and um, they were having their second baby and they were very frightened to have their second baby because they weren't sure that they could love this next baby as much as they loved this first baby and and they were uh, a second child and, and remembered when... The, when um, uh, 
you know, how it was when they were born and didn't want to, to put their firstborn through that and, you know, those kinds of things and cry and then go into labor. And it was like, well, what is going on in this mind and body of ours? And it was a real puzzle. Nevertheless, I knew it was true. And then... Um, I started, I went to nursing school and midwifery school and started practicing in a hospital setting because I wanted to take what I had learned from the women and families at home into the hospital setting. And I was um, under some illusion uh, that somehow um, if I could be there and support this normal process and, you know, be of service and help, everything was going to turn out okay because I was going to be in charge and I was going to make sure it was done right. Wrong. (laughs) It didn't work because guess what? Nobody's in charge of this process and this is a force of nature and um, it took many years, and that's when I encountered the Dharma, right when I was um, starting my practice in a hospital setting. And I was really unhappy and puzzled and very stressed out because I couldn't make this thing go the way I wanted it to. And that's, of course, life, right? So it took me quite a while to figure out, oh... I'm not in charge of life either. Um, and uh, so, so, and I remember actually a story, and maybe you've told it here, but I remember a story that has come back to me often. Um, and you never know when you're teaching what, who's going to pick up what and what it's gonna, what's going to stick, right? I get people coming up to me and telling me they remember things I said when they were having their baby 30 years ago. And I was like, oh, really? <laughs> um, but I remember you telling a story. You were uh, on a retreat. You can fill in the details. But I remember you talking about uh, being on a walk in the retreat and really getting it that everything changes. Do, do, you, do you remember that? I don't know who, the, but I have a, a fantasy that it was at IMS. Is that true? Uh-huh. Okay. See, I was listening. I was paying careful attention. <laughs> and uh, now the first chapter of the book is everything's changing. And, of course, having that deep within us as we go through the process of whatever process of the process of life is extremely, extremely helpful. So what happened was I was learning the Dharma from James and from, you know, everybody that I could find the time to go and sit with and Joseph and Sharon and and Yvonne, Rand, and I was eclectic. I was going all over the place. And... And um, and I did retreats with Thich Nhat Hanh before people knew who he was and stuff like that. And then, and I continued doing my midwifery practice and I would feel um, kind of um, at a loss or, or frustrated because I would see in the people who would come to me um, uh, not understanding the Dharma and a way of working with it. So somebody would be in my office, um, you know, maybe 10 weeks pregnant, and they're 
bleeding, you know, and just beside themselves, as one can understand. Um, but I'm picking up a heartbeat, and they can hear a heartbeat, but I can't guarantee she's not going to go on to have a miscarriage. She doesn't know that, but if she can know in that present moment, in that moment the baby's alive and everything is, in fact, okay, and if she knew how she could be in the moment, present moment, moment by moment, there would be a huge um, decrease in the potential suffering. So I would have that experience, you know, and that's just one of them, of course, and and um, feel somewhat at a loss and frustrated because I, I couldn't, you know, what could I do right in the exam room? I mean, telling them to breathe and be in the moment, as, you know, it's like, yeah, sure. Um, so then after I'd been practicing for about, oh, 12 years, I guess, um, or even longer, uh, I encountered John Kabat-Zinn. And um, perhaps some of you have read some of his work or even taken a mindfulness-based stress reduction course or wherever you go, there you are, or whatever. And um, I, you know, clearly remember the evening when he was giving a talk out in Marin County. And... um, and I walked in, and it's like, there he was in a hospital setting teaching the Dharma. And I thought, who in the world is this guy? And I went to a training with him, and in that training, I, it all just came together for me of how I might, a, 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 a form, really, of how I might teach the kinds of things that we learn in the Dharma halls um, in a a way, in a language um, that made it accessible to people who might not ever get over to Spirit Rock. And um, so I trained with John and taught the Mindfulness-Based Stress Reduction course for quite a number of years and then started morphing it into this program. Um, which is based on that work. And I teach it now at the Osher Center for Integrative Medicine over at UCSF. But for many years, it was too far out of the box to take into the hospital setting. And so I was teaching it in the living room of my home, just a few blocks from Alta Bates. So um, the evolution of this is about 14 years of teaching. I've taught well... Well, I've taught the last count is something like 1,300 uh, expectant families. This, this, I mean, 1,300 expectant parents um, in this using this form. And what I've seen has, um, you know, if I thought birth was a miracle, the transformation that people can get and the the benefit from the dharma and the skills for this profound life transition that they're going through just is you know is breathtaking continuously and so um you know here's here's a description of it and sometimes people ask me how long did it take you to write this book and I feel like it's my whole life. <laughs> it, it, it really is the, the distillation of what I've come to see. And um, 
And uh, uh, it's just extraordinarily helpful because we all are leading such stressful lives and um, to be able to teach practices that help people shift around the stress and certainly the transition from non-parent to parent or from parent of one to parent of two or three is stressful because everything from the most fundamental uh, the environment, the home, the relationship, the relationship with family, relationship with community, relationship with the body, relationship with identity. Everything is completely changing in this, in this profound transition. So, chapter one, everything's changing. Uh, and, and, um, and from that, then we go into the insights of the Dharma, which are impermanence. Uh, and really, really getting it that um, nothing stays the same. And that is an extremely helpful perspective to take into this challenging mind-body experience. Because, guess what? Those of you who've given birth (laughs) know it. That process has some pretty intense physical sensations that we usually call pain. And people can get pretty scared about the process. So the, the training of the mind to continually come back to the present moment and to notice how we generate fear by projection into the future, because fear is always about the future, even if it's only about the next moment. And, and so beginning to practice and to notice the construction of fear in fantasy, right? And that's the thought, noticing it, letting it go, and using the breath as the anchor to come back to the present moment, or thinking about the past, which is also just thoughts, but that's memory, and it's really gone. So noticing that, coming back to the present, and fully learning the skill of working at it, at least, to really fully be present, because that's all that needs one needs to do to get through the birth process, and actually to get through life. It's no different. It's just that the birth process is so well, on a certain level dramatic, on a certain level moving so fast, um, and so that you have this, it's, it's, it's the process makes those elements of life, in some sense, writ large. You can't escape a body that's changing, but come on, our bodies are changing all the time. I mean, you used to be an infant at one point, right? You didn't have any teeth. You couldn't walk. You couldn't talk. And we're all moving through time. And the birth process, again, because it's so dramatic, intense, important, is a beautiful opportunity to show this. So let me show you this. Because, let me tell you a little bit. Okay. So this is the book. Um, And she's got a nickname. And her nickname is Daisy. You can you can see there's a daisy on the cover. Now, anybody who's done any creative work 
you know, is the, the, the metaphor of labor and birth is often used, right, when you're in a process. So I've been in labor with Daisy for quite a long time. Um, I never know when. Uh, it was, you know, maybe when I signed the book, from the time I signed the book contract to getting her published was three years but there was a lot of stuff that went before and book proposal. I never wrote a book. What do I know? So anyway, so it, and it's this, a similar kind of thing. Sometimes, especially women who've had are having their first baby, they're pregnant. They feel the movement inside, but do they really believe it? Mm, not exactly. And as a midwife, when I'm there and you know helping the woman. Uh, have the baby and the baby's coming out and, and you know I'm guiding her sometimes with her hands and helping her pull the baby out and she takes the baby out and she, she goes it's a baby <laughs> yes it's a baby but it's not until you get the, the sight and the smell and the, 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 the touch that you really believe that it's a baby and then, of course, it's just a total miracle. It's like, where did this person come from? And those of you who are parents, you know, and I, I'm a grandma now, and I look at these. You know, don't you do that with Adam? I mean, you where in the world? You know, you shave and you, you know, you have girlfriends and you do whatever you do. I mean, it's, it's really a miracle. And of course, I feel incredibly blessed as a midwife to have witnessed and, and supported and been part of that process. So I feel a little bit like that happened with Daisy. It's like, you know, you sit and you do moment by moment and word by word, and then the drafts and the this and the that, and, the, the, and it's all on this eight and a half by 11. And, so, and then someday it shows up and it's a book. <laughs> and you have no idea where it came from. And that's the feeling I have about her. She's a daughter. I have uh, two sons, two stepsons, two grandsons, and a very dear husband. And, you know, I needed to have a daughter. <laughs> so this is Daisy. Now, let me tell you, the only thing that I really, really wanted um, was some input on the cover. They don't, mostly, they don't give that to authors. It's even funny to call myself an author, but to people who write books, they, they usually don't let you have any say because they want to sell this thing. And of course, I want it to sell too because I think it'll help people. Um, and, but I did get it um, into the, the book contract. The only thing that I did not want was a, a, a pregnant woman sitting on the cover like this. No. Right? I mean, remember first trimester, those of you who've been or been partners with somebody who's, you know, the, all the time, many moments you spend with your head over the toilet and then, you know, the varicose veins and the backache and the fear about this. And no, this, is, this won't do. Besides the fact that the Dharma principles are universal. And if I put it into a human figure, there's all sorts of problems, like 
what color the skin is and what does the hair look like and, and uh, what does the body shape look like. And I just didn't want to go there. And so that was my only sort of instruction. Um, and, and what they sent me back was this, was this cover. And I was completely blown away when I saw it because in the book is a concept um, that I think would probably resonate with you, um, and it's a concept of horticultural time. And what you see here is, you know, the bud and then the op- the flower opening and the, the you know, the, the daisy of fully emerging. Now, of course, this is about birth, but those of us who you know, fully do the Dharma, we know what happens after Daisy and what happens in horticultural time, right? So we've got an arc here of our lifetime, birth to death. And, of course, one of the things that happens in as a, a midwife is you don't hang out around birth for very long without encountering death or the fear of it. And that's just part of the territory. And so to have a, 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 you know, to have this, and I'm very pleased that in fact I got to include a chapter on grief and loss and miscarriages, stillbirths, um, something like that, which I was worried that they weren't going to let me do that in a book about birth you know, that was going to continue the cultural denial of the reality of, of the fact that we're born and we're going to die. And each breath isn't... You know, I've, I've witnessed so many first breaths and, and I remember a kind of... Um, insight that, you know, how it happens, and I would imagine many of you have had those, where you get that insight and it's like just in you, it's embodied, it's like, you know, you can say everything's changing, but when you really get it, where it becomes like a guiding principle of your life, and I can remember, you know, sitting in practice and practicing and paying attention to the breath and 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 I'll tell you, nobody knows why we take our first breath, by the way. I mean, the physiology of it. Nobody can explain it. And believe me, I've asked. But we really are born on an in-breath and we die on an out-breath. And when there is a time, there will be a time for every single one of us where we will breathe in, we will breathe out and we will not breathe in again. That's just true. And that's Dharma. And to be able to um, teach the skills to the next two generations, because when I have people in my classroom, I'm, you know, they're my kids' age, right? Because I, I mean, my Younger ones are in their 30s and reproductive age. And, and then there are my grandkids that are a generation that are growing in the bodies of these people in the room. 
And, and then, of course, for those who are carrying girl babies, the eggs of the great-grandchildren are being formed then, because the girl babies are born with the eggs that will make her children. So right there, I think we sometimes tend to think of the horizontal of the dharma and the suffering of our own lives, but this is like through time of of teaching the skills that then are going to um, go through generations, potentially. And what I see is... Um, is the opportunity for people to bring awareness to their this process and to their lives and to become aware of patterns, patterns of the mind, patterns of the heart, um, patterns that were formed in their families of origin, uh, potentially, and to become more aware and to be able to make moment-to-moment choices so that patterns of dysfunction don't have to continue. Because we learn to parent from the way we were parented. Now, we can pass those on unconsciously. Sometimes we pass them on reactively. We say, I don't want to do that. And then we go way to the other extreme and we're in reaction. But this is really a way for people to bring wisdom to their moment-to-moment parenting, which anybody who's been a parent or been a child uh, and grew up with parents knows it's not an uncomplicated business sometimes. So, um, So it is really thrilling to be able to um, teach the... Uh, the Dharma, the universal principles, the the capacity to be aware, which we all are, are born with, and how to cultivate that at a particular time in the life cycle and and support the healthy process. Because stress ain't great for a pe- pregnant woman. Um, and it's not great for the baby either. Um, and then to be able to teach skills that what happens when um, we learn the skills for working with our physical body, um, then we can begin to uncouple the uh, reactivity, the, the sensations in the body from the emotional reactions to the, the physical discomfort or pain Um, and also the cognitive thoughts. And, of course, that's what we do in practice. And when we uncouple those and pay attention to the physical sensations, you you are making the um, uh, distinction between pain and suffering. So that when these families are going into this birth process and knowing how to be in the present moment to stay with the breath. They know how the mind can get agitated. How much longer is this going to go on? Oh my God, the last contraction was so bad. How am I going to handle another? Which are all just past and future. Watching the mind and staying in the present moment, breathing one breath at a time through this process of the intensity of the physical sensations. And then what is discovered 
is an incredible time of peace uh, between the sensations. And to even know that, that there is time of peace and rest. Some women think, oh my God, I'm going to be in pain for 20 hours. It doesn't work like that. But it's the mind that is going into the past and future that then turns the agitation on and then you get yourself working against the process. So it's learning how to stay out of your own way. And of course, this is the same thing that we do with life. So I tell people we're learning how to deal with the contractions of labor, but we're really learning how to deal with the contractions of life because the birth comes and it is how it is. But guess what? That baby comes out. And if you're lucky, that baby is with you for the rest of your life, right? And then you've got to raise it. And that's what I'm doing with Dave. <laughs> it's like, oh, I got a book, but then now it's going out there as kids do, and she's in the world, and all sorts of things are happening because of her. And it's like, oh, beginner's mind. Now what do I do? This is happening, and that's happening. And, you know, because... Uh, one of the uh, remarkable things that has been happening is how in the uh, form that John Kabat-Zinn has has developed, it really is all over the world. Um, And now I've connected some dots here, and people have babies all over the world, so the two together, it just makes sense. So, yeah. I mean, the translation rights for this thing, I'm sorry, Daisy, I didn't mean to, that, to call you a thing. <laughs> but the, the translation rights are already sold in Turkish. I mean, and I'm training some midwives in Amsterdam, and, and, and one of them works in a hospital where they're working with Turkish immigrants. And she was thrilled. So, the uh, you know the the I guess what I, the reason I'm sharing this with you is to um, expand what is happening with the Dharma in so many places through so many forms, um, well beyond the um, meditation halls, because people get it of the degree of suffering there is in this world. And we got to pay more attention to horticultural time or, you know, we're in big trouble, right? I mean, that's where we, the, uh, the, the mm, uh, way that the world is working so much is industrial time. And dus- industrial time, clock time, cell phone time, all these emails, and there's a real... Um, uh, uh, I don't want to say clash, but a, a, a disharmony between our bodies and what is healthy for us and the uh, time that we are now forcing ourselves to live in. And certainly that's true with the birth process. Um, and, you know, the the institutions in general work on industrial time and are not as supportive as one could be of horticultural time, the, the, the time of the body. And, um, and of course, it's a middle path because we don't want to 
throw out the baby with the bathwater. In other words, the technology can be life-saving and fabulous, and thank goodness it's around. But it is being overused. And um, I don't know if you, you know, but the cesarean section rate in our country now is 33%. That means one in three women are having their babies um, surgically. Uh, I was in uh, Salzburg this summer, um, and I sat a retreat with John. And I met some peop- some women from uh, Iran. The cesarean section rate is 80%. In Brazil, it's 90 So incredible harm is being done with the technology and then we can also talk on a global scale of what's happening and women who are not uh, having access to care and are still dying in great numbers in childbirth. So there's a whole territory here that's kind of hidden in some way because uh, we hide birth and we hide death from ourselves and from each other. So hopefully um, these will help wake people up to what it is and the preciousness of life. And in fact, that is what happens in the classroom when people get in touch with their heart and the preciousness of, of what they're bringing into the world and the preciousness of life. Um, so there is a tremendous shift in consciousness and the quality of parenting that I'm seeing in the folks that I um, am, have the privilege to teach is just really impressive. So um, uh, so what's happening now is, is uh, I'm training other people to teach, and that's a whole new phase. And, you know, I know how to teach in the classroom, but now i got to figure out how to train people. And so here I am again, beginner's mind. It's like, okay, now i got to deal with the consequences of having given birth to Daisy. And here we go. Uh, and like life, it's, ne- it's not over till it's over, and it keeps on going, and we keep figuring it out. I love the line that Pema Chodron says, you know, life is just one big adult education course. <laughs> and, you know, if we take a, 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 that kind of approach to the birth process, it is an opportunity to really look deeply at something very profound and remarkable and a, a miracle because we're all walking miracles. I mean, this body, you know, the, the, I mean, just, it's just, we're just walking miracles. The liver has something like 500 functions. And, you know, I mean, if you really look at the body, it's just astounding that we're all walking around as healthy, actually, as we are. And that all that, it just happens, happened inside of your mom. I mean, (laughs) so it's like beyond almost what the mind can comprehend. And the same with death. Where do they go? What? How did that happen? And there's a liberation in that wholeness of seeing all of us as precious beings. And you know, like they say, and that's true. A hundred years, all new people. And those new people, um, 
are the ones that are being birthed in the classroom. Or the eggs. Actually, it's not. Those kids might not live to be 100. So, anyway. So, there you have it. Um, um, I didn't know what I was going to tell you, but I'd really love to um, just take some time for questions or comments or um, just to have a little dialogue together. Thank you. First, uh, I just wanted to make a comment and, and we can open it up. Um, it, it is, even for the, the men who will never give birth, uh, we all go through some creative process, or if you've gone through a creative process, it, it is like a birth, and it kind of does, works through you. Yes. Spirit Rock when when we were first getting spirit rock together and and some of us had a vision of it and a really clear sense of what we wanted to create but the real shift for me came uh when and and we then talked about this as a as a small group of the people who envisioned it as a collective changing from feeling like oh it's up to cre- up to us to create this fantastic Dharma center to we are just midwives to the process. It's exactly the term that I yeah. used and we used. And it's just the Dharma was wanting to do, uh, do something and if we could just create the conditions and support it, whatever, that uh, there's such a freedom and the, the letting go of the selfing, both with feeling the pressure or feeling the credit, or isn't this wonderful what, what we did? It's so different when you just see there's this mystery, this mm-hmm. miracle that's happening through us. Right. And if you have any kind of uh, experience with the, whatever you create, uh, it's really a, a practice of anatta, of that, the selfless nature of reality, and the, the joy then you can delight in the mystery of being used well mm-hmm. um, rather than it's up to you to, to make it happen or not. I had exactly the same uh, experience when I uh, was coming out with uh, Awakening Joy. It was, and my co-author Shoshana said, you know, this is, you're going to have a relationship with this entity. Mm-hmm. And, you know, and it was, it was I, I, I didn't call... I didn't call it him or her, but it was the book that was was birthing through through me and through us, mm-hmm. um, and um, so it, it's it's a real freedom in that and a letting go, and then you you're just kind of showing up for the process. Yeah, it's great how you don't have to figure it out. It's like oh, this is the next thing that's happening. Yeah, like yeah. oh. Look at this is the next thing. James invited me to come here. Yeah. This is yeah. incredible. <laughs> After thirty plus years here, I'm sitting here. It's just extraordinary. How, how, how fun. Yeah. Yeah. And so it's like you're just along for the ride. Yeah. Uh, you That's know. It. It's it yeah. It's very cool. And yeah. of course you fall down and you hit your head a couple of times and you 
It's part of the process. Part of the process, yeah. 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 There, there's no mistakes. As Julia Butterfly Hill says, you know, as long as you're learning, there's no mistakes. Right. It's all part of the process. So any, uh, anything that comes up that you want to um, ask or bring up or if it touches for you your own creative process or Dharma understanding in some way, Jim? I'd like to hear more of your, uh, your, your thoughts on the benefits of natural birth versus C-section. I mean, so I, I, I'm inclined to sort of subjectively agree with you without having any supporting arguments for that. Well, actually, thank you for that wonderful question because Daisy is not about natural childbirth. And I make that very clear. Uh, uh, from my point of view, every birth is natural. It's natural for a baby to uh, grow inside its mother's body. It's natural for a baby to come out. And it's natural for people to want to help. The problem is there's a little too much help. And the help may not be given skillfully. So, um, uh, and that, in fact, um, the whole issue of natural childbirth... Quite frankly, I really don't know what natural childbirth is anymore. Um, the phrasing that I like to, to use is um, minimal to no medical intervention. Um, uh, but um, there's no guarantees. And so I see a tremendous amount of suffering for from... Families, women who get a very strong attachment to an idea of what's right and the way they want to give birth, and then it doesn't go the way they expected, which is, you know, as I began sharing with you, that was my lesson of the birth process as a midwife. I'm not in charge, and they're not in charge. They, it's a body process that is moving through one and there is no me because this body is just this body. Um, and, um, and the tremendous suffering that comes from having a very strong attachment to having things go a certain way. And, um, uh, you know, um, Patty Robertson, who's a... Um, an OB, an, a, a professor of medicine over at, of, of um, obstetrics over at UCSF. She did a blurb for the book, and she says, I often recognize Nancy's students by their enthusiastic embrace of their labor, by their focus, and by their amazing ability to cope with unexpected challenges. I highly recommend this book to all pregnant women. Now, she can see it. She doesn't know whether they've taken the class or not. I mean, she may ask them, but she can... And I hear that a lot from practitioners. They actually can see these people dealing with the process differently and coping with the unexpected because that's birth, that's life. There's always unexpected. So um, uh, if somebody's got a strong attachment, it's, uh, uh, we work at the letting go and just being in the present moment. So... Um, I try not to help. I uh, I try to encourage people not to have a lot of attachment 
preferences. You know, I, I don't even have them do a birth plan. You can't plan this thing. Certainly preferences are important, being engaged in the process. But, you know, having a cesarean or not, what I've found as a midwife that's really the essential element of feeling satisfied with the birth experience, and I wonder if it might be true about dying. Um, I never thought of that, but we could think about that. Um, is that uh, the woman and the, her partner or families do not feel that they were done to, that they were in partnership in the process, and that they were participants, and that they were respected and treated kindly. And those are the elements of um, good care and of a positive experience, regardless of whether you have an epidural or a cesarean or whatever. That's, that's my experience and how I would midwife people through the experience. So um, that was the answer, but I hope that was helpful. Anybody else? Yeah. Hi. Hi. Um, one of the powers of John Kabat-Zinn's MBSR is that it's uh, fairly reproducible, and so he's been able to do a fair amount of research uh, mm-hmm. around it and showing outcomes and such. And right. I was wondering if um, your class is... You've uh, done that or are planning to do that because it would be interesting to sort of see yeah. what kinds of things are you find. Yeah. Right, right. Well, thank you very much for that question. Um, and the answer is yes. Um, you know, it was so far out of the box to begin it that I taught in my living room for about seven plus years, and then I was invited to come over to the Osher Center. And at that point, um, a wonderful researcher, um, Larissa Duncan, um, who had worked with uh, Mark Greenberg, um, bringing mindfulness into a program for families with teens. And they were teaching mindfulness to both the parents and the teenagers. And she would see the impact of the mindfulness skills and that the parents would say, why didn't anybody teach us this sooner? And they would be heartbroken. And they, you know, the, our, parent, our whole parenting would be different. The, whole, the kids' lives would have been different. And so she kept looking upstream, and John told her about me, and she came. So we've been working for about five years. We have done a small pilot, um, and found decreased um, pregnancy anxiety, decreased uh, depression, um, pregnancy, uh, pregnancy depression, which, of course, these things have impacts on the baby um, as well as the partnership relationship. Um, uh, increased mindfulness, increased positive emotions, um, increased coping abilities. So... We've done that. We've got several other studies, one on mindfulness and childbirth pain, which has never been done. John's work shows that pain, you know, it definitely helps with 
pain, chronic pain. So we're looking at childbirth pain. We're looking at um, quality of attachment, for those of you who are psychologists, um, and uh, breastfeeding. I'm also working with uh, Mark Williams, who was developed MBCT, uh, the Mindfulness-Based Cognitive Therapy. We have a training program and a research program at Oxford University at his center there. I'm training the Amsterdam midwives for a large randomized controlled trial in, in Amsterdam, quite a large study. So we're moving along because, uh, as you said, it's, you're, you know, that's one of the re- reasons that this, one of the ways that this has moved into the mainstream. Um, so we're working at it. And we've also got a, um, a study going um, teaching mindfulness skills to low-income women over at San Francisco General, including teaching it in um, Spanish. Mm. So it's, you know, we're working hard. Beautiful. And I need to train more people because I can't mm. do it all. <laughs> mm. So um, it, it's, it's time for us to, to go. I, I, I want to uh, mention that there are some copies of the book uh, in the back. Uh, and uh, maybe Nancy will be here if you have some sure. questions. And um, thank you so much for coming here, and thank you so much for the 1,300-plus parents that you've gone through, you've shared, that will just keep on rippling, and for giving birth to Daisy and uh, all the work that you've done these last 30, 40 years, both spiritually and uh, in the mid midwifing uh, practice. Um, you've given ber- planted many, many seeds through your, your birthing. So let's uh, just uh, close with a... Is it... A, do you need a ride or something like that? Where do you need a ride to? Yeah. Anyone going to Marin? No. Or to where? Where else could you get? Okay. There you go. Yeah. So. Um, so let's just take a few uh, a moment and uh, get in touch with your own heart which was born on your birthday, your mysterious life starting, taking its first breath, and here you are, a living expression of the mystery, something to respect and to honor and to love. May all the goodness and love and wisdom that's been gifted to you be seen and expressed in a beautiful way. May you know deep peace in the midst of all the sorrows and joys And then may our coming here together be of benefit to not only ourselves, everyone in our lives, 
and rippling out to be of benefit to all beings everywhere. May all see the mystery, the divine spark that has ignited the life within them and share their love well and know the highest happiness and freedom. Thank you very much. Have a great week. Have a great couple of weeks. I'll see you in a couple of weeks. Thanks, Nancy. Thank you.